0: Welcome, you are listening to Unlocking the Truth, the podcast channel by Precept Ministries Canada. Come discover God's truth for yourself by studying His Word and deepen a personal transformational relationship with God. This series called In Faith Alone will get you deep into the book of Romans. Dig deeper by following along with the Bible study, Experiencing the Power of Life-Changing Faith. The new inductive study series on Romans, available at preceptministries.ca. Now here is Mark Sheldrake with Unlocking the Truth. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast. Mark Sheldrake here with you. This is a ministry of Precept Ministries in Canada, and so thankful that you are participating with us uh, on this bi-weekly podcast working through the Book of Romans. Just a couple of things for you to know about before we head into our last episode in Segment 2. Our Office Building, Precept Ministries at 61 Sherwood Drive in Brantford, Ontario. We're open again, folks. We are more than happy to welcome you to come into the building, check out our resources, uh, come visit us for some online or in-person training, and uh, if you just want to drop by and check out our location, you can do that too. Uh, anytime. So you can do that between the hours of 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. We'd love to have you come by for a visit. July 20th to 22nd, Tommy Hamill from Precept Ministries in Chattanooga will be with us for a workshop called uh, Understanding a Difficult Passage. Looking forward to working through John 15 with her. Spaces are filling up quick for that. You can register online Again, at PreceptMinistries.ca. Don't forget to check out all the registration is now open for the Cross Canada Tour. And we'd love to have you with us for one of those in a province and town near you. And if you're looking to just introduce people to inductive Bible study or any other way of getting involved in learning how to study the Bible more for yourself, you can do so On our website by looking at some of our free resources as well as clicking that event link where you can see where we are going to be doing uh, online training or training that's happening in local communities around the country if you'd like us to come to your church please reach out to us we would love to do things in person we find great joy of visiting and seeing people face to face and how great it would be to fill up our calendar with opportunities to do training all over the country. Uh, So please pray about that. Seek the Lord. Talk to your leadership at the church. See if there's an opportunity for us to bring our inductive Bible study training to you in the near future. Uh, I'm super excited about this week's episode. Uh, and let me pray for our time together, and then we will dive right in. Father, we do thank you for uh, our technology that we have. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to uh, send this out all over the country and around the world, and I pray for the people listening this week, and especially this week's episode. So good, Lord, what you are showing us in the book of Romans, and I pray that uh, you continue to work in our hearts and our lives, as we uh, have a desire to please you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, folks, I normally don't uh, give you the date of when I'm recording these. I'm giving you the date. It's May 9th, Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. And we are in the midst of the NHL playoffs. And folks... For the first time in 19 years, my playoff team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, got out of the first round of the playoffs. They won four games in the first round. And I'm telling you that uh, when they won that fourth game, I was sitting with my family downstairs and I screamed in joy and excitement that we... Won, but then became a quick moment of shock. Like, we won. I mean, you know, there are people that I have met through precept. I mean, I was at Tim Hortons just last week and uh meeting with some friends, and a guy came up to me and he saw me in my Toronto Maple Leaf hat and my Toronto Maple Leaf socks, and he said oh, are you a Leaf fan? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm a Leaf fan. I love watching the Maple Leafs play. And and he said, you know, I was alive the last time they won the Stanley Cup, 1967. My father-in-law, he buys me these uh, shirts. I've got a Maple Leaf jersey that says losers since 67. I got another shirt that says patiently waiting for a Stanley Cup. And, uh, you know, I thought, Maybe this is the year. I mean, Maple Leaf fans think that all the time. This is the year. This is the year. And I thought, no, no, no. This might be the year. The path to the Stanley Cup is clearing up. I mean, the previous champions are gone. The best team in the NHL, the Boston Bruins are gone. The New York Rangers are gone. All of these teams that I was concerned about the Toronto Maple Leafs not being able to beat are gone. And I'm like, this has got to be the year. It's Tuesday, May 9th, and my mindset has completely changed. The Maple Leafs are down three games to none against the bottom-feeding Florida Panthers. And my whole mindset has gone from jubilation and Oh, so fired up, so confident, so so hopeful. And I'm telling you that the team that I cheer for has sucked the life of this fan away. They They brought such great hope and joy to me a week ago. And within seven days, folks, they have played horribly and they very potentially will get swept in the second round of the playoffs by a team that had a lot less points than them in the in the playoff in the regular season and there it is getting ready to don that jersey again for my social media pick losers Since 67, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, you're not very hopeful, Mark. I mean, the series, it's not over until the other team wins four games. And I'm going, you know, this is what the Toronto Maple Leafs do. They bring you so much hope and and excitement and joy. And then they suck it right out of you and bring you back to doom and gloom. A week later. <laughs> Rant over on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I'm telling you folks, I just can't see them. By time you listen to this, the outcome will have already occurred. Because the game is being played on Wednesday, May 10th. And who knows? You could all be laughing at me because we've gone to the third round. Or, yep, they've lost again. So my hope is all gone. But man, oh man, what a joy it was to study Romans chapter 8 this week. Because in the midst of all of the doom and gloom of the Toronto Maple Leafs, whoo, Romans chapter 8 has got nothing to do with hockey. And there's no losing in chapter 8. And that's why I'm just so fired up to record this this week. It's so good. You know, it reminds us of what the important things are in life. And there are things a lot more important than the NHL, the playoffs, winning the Stanley Cup. Oh, but I I hope they do it before I die. I have a feeling that might be the next T-shirt I get is just once before I die. Anyway, here's uh, the introduction to Romans 8. Uh, The long introduction about the Leafs being losers comes back to when we look at Romans chapter eight and we look for key words. This is the key as we've been going through all of these chapters. We've been looking for words that pop off the page that are repeated and when removed, uh, the text falls apart. Uh, In this section, there is actually a key person and it is the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit in Romans eight is mentioned almost I think I counted uh, at least 20 times. Uh, 20 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Okay, so you see how important it is if he's mentioned 20 times in this chapter. It's vital for us to know that the Holy Spirit is mentioned this many times because Paul is going to base his entire argument on Romans chapter 8 based on the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit working in our lives that allows us to overcome the flesh. And it's the Holy Spirit in our lives that allows us to live a life that brings glory and honor to God. Living by the Spirit produces it produces good fruit in our lives. One scholar explains Romans chapter 8 in this way. He says that the chapter can be separated into 3 phrases. All right, let me give you those three phrases because these are the three phrases that we're going to break this chapter into because I think they're just great. Why reinvent the wheel? The three phrases are no condemnation, no obligation, and no separation. All right, so let's look at these three things in the order that they come through the text. All right, so verses one to four. This is no condemnation. And let's look at these verses together before we break them down. All right. Therefore, uh, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verses 1 to 4 really explain the no condemnation point number one. All right, so we have to go, because there is a therefore... Uh, we have to be reminded that this, f- these first four verses really are a conclusion of chapter 7. Remember when we looked at in the previous episode, Paul finished chapter 7 looking at the sinful nature, that there's nothing good in us. And it really asks the question, how can a holy God accept anything we do as good? Well, the answer is, He can't. Uh, Paul's been walking us through Romans, and he's been showing us that we are condemned in our sin because we are in the flesh, that the law cannot produce salvation for us, that there's nothing we can do that will make us righteous before God. It's only by the power of the gospel, the blood of Jesus Christ, that can justify us and make us right before God. And so this is very important that as he's walked through this, he's taught us in chapter 6 that we are dead to sin because we identify with him. He's taught us that we are dead to the law. And Paul says in both those chapters that uh, when we died, we were raised in newness of life. And that newness of life is by the Spirit, and that when we also in chapter seven it tells us we are dead to the law, uh, we are in newness of the Spirit, and we live by the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit indwells in us. And then in Romans chapter eight verse four he adds another piece to this: we are raised, we are what we are in the newness of life. And now in 8.4, we walk by the Spirit. The requirement of the law might fu- be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. Because of these truths that we've seen in Romans 5, 6, and 7, we now know that there is no condemnation for us. Why? Because in these first four verses... He tells us that uh, the law of the Spirit is life. This new law that we live is we live by the Spirit. We no longer live by the flesh. We live by the Spirit. And because we live by the Spirit, we have been set free. That's been repeated all the way through uh, these uh, verses in in the chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8. We are free, free, free because of what Christ did. On the cross. And he says, For what the law could not do, we couldn't make us righteous. God sent his Son to us in the likeness of sin, so that Christ would pay this penalty for us and that the law would be fulfilled. And now, because we live by the Spirit and we walk by the Spirit, we no longer are slaves to the flesh. And so it's super important for you and I as believers is that when we understand, when we come to the clear conclusion that we are not condemned, that we are saved and justified and made right, that we have the Holy Spirit uh, in us, which was given to us as a down payment for our future inheritance we will better understand this peace that Paul talked about in Romans chapter 5 and that when we have this peace with God, it's the Holy Spirit in us that pleases God and we know that the Holy Spirit is working in us to help us please God. This, This all comes together to help us to understand that What's happening through this process of sanctification is that we are being conformed to the image of Jesus. This is vital for us to know as we walk through this. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. There's no going back. We, we are living free now. We are living free of sin, free of the law. We're living in the spirit. We're walking in the newness of life. And now our greatest heart's desire, as we continue to repeat through application all through this sanctification section, is that our greatest desire is to please God in all that we do. It's our heart's desire more than it is our willful mind that wants to produce these works, we do it now not for the purpose of being saved, but we do it for the purpose of pleasing God. It's that difference, as we talked to in the last episode, of having to have keep these laws, but now wanting to please God with our lives. And so we need to understand that we, we get to live in this freedom, that we are not condemned anymore, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us and helps us, shows us the sin in our lives that we need to, to, feat, to defeat so that we can be more like Jesus each and every day. All right, so that's verses 1 to 4. Uh, let's look at verses 5. To seventeen and listen to what Paul says in verses five to seventeen. For those who are according to the flesh uh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace, because the mind is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God, God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we're under no obligation not to to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you who have not received a spirit of slavery, uh, lead, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies within our spirit that we are children of God, and if children heirs, also heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him, (sighs) take a deep breath. That was a lot in there, but here's what we can understand the two key words in this section of 5 to 17 is the word flesh and the word spirit. I can count it quickly for you one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven, eight, eight times in those verses, the word flesh is mentioned. And it's key for us to understand that what Paul tells us is that we are no longer obligated to the flesh. Uh, This picks up from the previous chapters because this is a, a big conclusion, is we're no longer slaves to sin. All right, so uh, good precept people, we like to list things out. And so when we list out flesh and spirit, uh, we've got a couple of lists. All right, so uh, verse 5 starts with telling us that uh, those who are according to the flesh, they set their mind on the things of the flesh. Uh, Setting your mind on the things of the flesh, this leads to death. All right, that's also added to our list. It leads to death, and it also tells us that having a mind set on the flesh uh, is hostility towards God. All right, this is a a hate towards God and everything God. Actually, we we saw that in Romans chapter one verses eighteen to thirty two. Uh, those who suppress the truth, those who uh, chose the things of the flesh over over God, uh, they exchanged, they exchanged the exchange. So God delivered over. We see all of that played out in that first chapter way back when we started doing that back in episode one and two. And now here we are on episode nine. Uh, so uh, this mind also cannot be subject to God's law. All right. So they can't be subject or Underneath it, why? Because these folks are subject to sin. They're slaves to sin. And because they're slaves to sin, it doesn't matter what they do, what good that they think they accomplish in their own works, the, the statement that I'm a good person, I I deserve this. They cannot please God if they have the mind of the flesh. It's impossible to please God. Remember, our works do not save. Our works do not make us justified or make us right before God. And so our heart set on the flesh is hostility towards God. But then Paul also lists out the things of the those who are in the Spirit. Verse 6 tells us, that those who are in the Spirit, okay, they set their mind on the Spirit in verse 5, and they are in the Spirit, this produces life and peace. Well, remember, we, we see that the wages of sin is death, but the, the salvation, this is the gift of life, which is eternal, We saw that in chapter 5. We also saw in chapter 5 that because we are justified, we have peace with God. That means that we have a right standing with him. But there's more for those who live in the Spirit. Verse 9 tells us, but those in the Spirit, uh, the Spirit of God dwells within them. He also says that those who do not have the Spirit of God They don't belong to God. This is vital for us to understand that this promise, this seal of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, this is key. This is how we open this entire uh, chapter. The Holy Spirit dwelling within us pleases God, makes God happy to see that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Verse 10 tells us that We are righteous. Those who live by the Spirit or in the Spirit are righteous. Verse 12 is the kicker, and this is the key of our entire point. Uh, Because we who live by the Spirit, we are under no obligation to the flesh or living according to the flesh. Why? Because we died to sin. We identified with Christ. Shall we keep on sinning to glorify God even more? No. You live a different life now. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a slave to righteousness. Those who live by the Spirit, verse 13, tells us if you live according to the flesh, you've got to die. But if you are living to the Spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body. You are proclaiming to those things that you would do in the flesh that they no longer have power over you, that the Holy Spirit is working within you to help you to be conformed to the image of God, and you don't allow those sins to rule over you. Your desire is to please God, and your desire is not to fulfill a life that brings temporary pleasure through those earthly sins. You're no longer under obligation, and you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Verse 14, it tells us that those who are of the Spirit, those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, he says, for all are who are being led by the Spirit. All right, so not only does the Spirit dwell in us, but we are being led, we are listening to the Holy Spirit as he leads and guides us to the purpose of becoming more like Christ. And when we are living that life that produces this good fruit that we're talking about, living by the Spirit, we get to be called sons of God. I think Paul Uh, address this in the book of Galatians, didn't he? He talked about the fruits of the spirit uh, being led by the spirit, these fruits that will be produced, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, godliness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against these things, there's no law, all of these things. But listen, listen to what he says. These things are the deeds of the flesh. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, all of these things. I mean, you can see a clear difference between those who are living in the flesh and those who are living in the spirit. And so when we're led by the spirit, these things are being produced in our lives. We look different than those who are being led and living in the flesh. And when we look different and we see that we are being conformed to the image of Christ, what a privilege it is. We are sons. If you listen to verses uh, through verses um, 14, 15 and 16 and 17. Just listen to the wording that Paul gives for those who are by the flesh. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you are sons of God. You've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear. You've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Uh, verse seven, 16, the Spirit himself, what does the Spirit himself do, which is a part of our list? The Spirit himself testifies within our spirit that we are children of God. Imagine the still, small voice within you that says, you are not condemned. You no longer face the wrath of God. You because you have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. You are a son of God. You have been adopted into the family of God. You are all these things. And because you are a son of God, a child of God, you are an heir. With Christ, he says in verse 17, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. These are all these things that we are within the flesh. The list is absolutely amazing. And why? It's because the spirit dwells within us. Uh, Paul talks about, he, he introduces here in verse uh, 17 the idea of uh, suffering with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Another promise that comes uh, from the fact that we are no longer under obligation. Well, what's the application that comes out of verses 5 to 17? The, ver- the application is simple. The Bible is clear that people produce two types of fruit, good fruit and bad fruit. Paul shows us that those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, uh, they will produce good fruit. This good fruit has a twofold focus. There's good fruit that's produced within us that is produced for our purposes, It's fruit that we see in our own life as we live our life to please God. There are things that we don't do anymore that we used to do before we were saved. Maybe our language changes. Maybe our attitude changes. Maybe the way that we interact with other people changes. Maybe we have a greater love for people in the world than we did before. Maybe there's more patience that we have. Maybe all of these fruits of the Spirit begin to, you know, flow out of us and we see that we're no longer the way that we were before. Sometimes we can tell that we are changing when we no longer have the friends around us that we had before we were saved. Maybe they don't hang out anymore because they notice a difference in you. There's something different about you. You used to drink and curse like a sailor and just have this terrible mindset. And, you know, I kind of like that old you. But this new you, that doesn't make sense anymore. You know what's funny? That's one of the things that my sister says all the time about me. Not the drinking and the cursing part. But she, she might see me preaching in front of a church or doing the ministry that I'm doing on a regular basis and she'll say, well, that's not the guy that I know. Well, you're right. That's not the guy that you know because I'm not that guy. I have been changed I have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me. I no longer live for myself. I live to glorify and honor Jesus. I don't have the friends that I had before Jesus. Those people don't want to hang out with me because I want to talk about Jesus. I want to talk about what Jesus has done in my life. I want to glorify God in all that I say and I do. I want people to see Jesus in me. I want people to experience the love that I experienced when Christ died on the cross and shed his blood for me. I want that. My greatest desire in life is to see people's eyes opened by the truth of God's word. That is contrary to what the world Wants. This is the life that I desire to lead, and this life produces good fruit. This is the life that uh, I wake up in the morning, and I am not perfect by any means, but I wake up and remind myself I'm no longer condemned because of my sin. I am free from sin. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I still commit sin. But it doesn't own me. It doesn't rule over me. But you see, Paul also says here and he says it throughout the New Testament in Galatians. Jesus talks about it in the Gospel of John. That there is also bad fruit. That is produced. And that bad fruit is produced. That is produced is a is a fruit that is produced apart from the Spirit of God. It is fruit that is produced by people who are slaves to sin. It's Romans 1 18 to 32. You see, folks, when we look at the world around us, we need to understand that we should not be shocked about what's happening in our culture. It absolutely is shocking at how quickly our culture is falling into immorality, but we should not be shocked by it because our culture and the people around us They are slaves to their sin. They are being conformed to the power of the prince of the air, as Paul says in Ephesians. They are being conformed into the image of Satan. I wrote a letter for the ministry a few months ago about a singer who was at the Grammys, and he stood on the stage, and he dressed like Satan. The entire song was about celebrating and worshiping adultery and the evil that's in the world. You and I should not be shocked by that. Because that is produced because of original sin. That is is produced because we were born into sin. Don't be shocked by what's going on. Look at the world and say to yourself, those folks, they are slaves to sin. I just keep thinking about the, the Egyptians uh, holding the Israelites captive and, and standing there with whips and, and beating them into submission to build for Pharaoh. Just lay the bricks. Keep doing your job. Thinking about those prisoners that uh, we, we might see in movies who who sit in the rock piles and they just keep moving rocks from one place to another. And that's your job, folks, and you've got to do that because that's your obligation while you're, while you're in there and you're just going to do that hard labor because that's what you're a slave to. Well, it's the same for those who are slaves to sin. They're just going to keep producing bad fruit and sin within their lives because they don't know the difference. It's the gospel of Jesus that is only going to change a person's heart. It's the gospel that is going to show us our deep deprivation, our deep deception in which we need to have our lives completely changed. We're in need of a Savior, otherwise we're headed for the wrath of God that there is the ability to produce good fruit, but that good fruit only comes through salvation. That when we are saved, that when we repent of our sin, that when we give our entire lives over to Jesus Christ and when we in death identify with him and raise in newness of life and newness of spirit and we walk by that spirit, that will produce good fruit. We can't be shocked by the world that, that just walks with death in their eyes in the production of sin because that's who they are slave to. And it's our job. It's our job to do two things. One, our job is to live a life that glorifies God. To live a life that glorifies God. Get into the Word of God for yourself. Study the Word of God. Learn what God has for you so that you can be conformed into His image, that you can fall in greater love with Him and that the more you fall in love with Him, the greater you want to please Him. It is the Word of God washing across your life day in and day out that is going to change your life. You're not going to be the same person you were before. Because the word of God and studying it for yourself creates such a great hunger to want to be in it more. It produces love. It produces good fruit. And you will see change in your life. There is a difference. The Bible is clear. Two types of fruit are produced. Paul talks about here the fruit that is produced because we have the spirit within us. Your sons, your children, your heirs. (laughs) But you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer in this world because living that type of life will produce suffering. You will lose friendships, you'll lose relationships. It'll be awkward amongst family gatherings. It'll be awkward in the workplace. But the more that we speak and we talk about God, even in the culture that we're living in, it may not just be uncomfortable in the workplace. It may not be uncomfortable in the, at the dinner table. It may get uncomfortable in all walks of life as people try to erase God from our culture. We're like salmon going upstream. We're going against the culture in all that we do. And so we're going to face opposition. It's going to be tough. But Paul says it's worthy. It's worth every moment of it. Because we'll be glorified in the end. And that's where we bring into 18 to 39 which is this last section of the Scripture, and he talks about how nothing separates us. Let me read these verses to you. It's a lot of verses, but listen to what Paul says. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who is subjected in hope. Uh, That in the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, uh, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope uh, that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he already sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray, that we should but by the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for us, uh, for the saints, according to the will of God. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, So that we would be the firstborn among many believers. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he justified. And these whom he justified, he glorified. And then we'll leave the questions, the last questions, for a moment. All right, so let's look at these first things. All right, so first of all, Paul, he says, uh, I consider the sufferings in verse 18 of this present time, they're nothing compared to the the glory that is to be revealed to us. (laughs) Man, how many times when we're in the midst of our suffering that we think it is the biggest weight on our shoulders and it is absolutely unbearable and we can't take it anymore. Yes, it's okay to feel that way, but when we look to the future hope that we have, momentary light affliction in comparison to an eternal weight of glory. What a mindset to have, isn't it? That's a mindset of the Spirit, focusing on the hope that is to come. It's interesting in these verses that even creation groans because of the sin that was caused by Adam. It's amazing to think through these five chapters, these chapters five to eight, and specifically chapters five to seven, in what Paul has laid out for us. He's told us, Then, chapter five, we are free from the penalty of sin because Christ died for us. Chapter six, he tells us we are free from the power of sin because we died with Christ. Because we died with Christ in chapter 7, he tells us we're also free from the law. But when we look here, there's also freedom in the future. There's a freedom from the presence of sin when creation is delivered from slavery. Creation itself waits in eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God because creation that is subjected to futility and sin will also be delivered. That when Christ comes and sets up his throne here and reigns for a thousand years and sin, uh, Satan is bound for a thousand years, there no longer be any sin. It's amazing that even creation will be Set free. And creation groans for this. As I went through this chapter again, uh, I didn't notice. I didn't notice this. I'm so thankful that marking keywords helps us to see these things. But the word groans is mentioned three times in verses 18 to 39. And it's really not all the way into 18 to 39. Let me give it to you. Verse 22 tells us creation groans because of sin. Verse 23, believers groan. Not only this, but we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves groan within ourselves. Why? We're groaning because we live in this fallen creation, and we are waiting eagerly, For our adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. We're groaning for that. Uh, The idea of groaning is to sigh together. But the third groaning, this is the most interesting of the three, is that the Holy Spirit groans in the same way verse 26 in the same way the spirit also helps our weaknesses for we do not know how to pray as we should but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words sighs too deep for words verse 27 tells us that god searches the heart he knows the mind of the what the mind of the spirit is and the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. What in the world do we think that Paul is talking about in these verses? Well, I think it's that the Holy Spirit, he prays the things that we don't know to pray. He prays the will of God. What is the will of God? I think the will of God for us is that we would be conformed to his image and that's what i think the spirit is is groaning with too deep for words we might pray superficial prayers these prayers that yes we want to be we want to be conformed but god search the heart of this one and show the sin in their life so that they can beat down and defeat the sin that is in their life so that they can be conformed to the image of God. Maybe we don't pray that enough for ourselves, but I think that's what the Holy Spirit's doing for us. He's groaning deeply for us. He knows the heart, the Spirit is within us, He sees all, He knows all and the spirit is praying that we would be conformed to the image of Christ just like in hebrews when it tells us that Christ intercedes on our behalf before god and he says that one is mine there's no condemnation on him he has been washed by the blood of J- G- by my blood and therefore he does not need to face your wrath god the Holy Spirit is praying, be conformed to the image of God. It's the will of God that you are conformed to him, to be like Jesus. Why? Because you are a son, you are a child, and you are an heir. And this is the greatest desire. And in verse 28, he says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. All things That means our good things and our sufferings. And what is the good? I think the good is that all those things produce for us conformity. Whether it be suffering, as James tells us, that we should have joy. Why? Because in our sufferings, they produce perseverance. And through all of these things, they help us to be more like Jesus. And so God works every circumstance in our life for good. And that good is that we would be conformed to him. I love verses 29 to 30 before we get to these questions and just listen to the the, the tense of these verbs. Uh whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he'd be the firstborn of many brethren, whom he predestined, who he called, those who he called he justified, these whom he justified he also glorified. This has been the plan since the beginning of time. That we were chosen, that we were called, that we were justified, and that we are glorified. Why? All because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And now we are living in a manner that has to be worthy of God because what is coming? Glorification is coming. Then we get these questions. He wraps out this chapter and we'll walk through these questions quickly. four questions I see here that he asks. And they start in verse 31. He says, first question is God, if God is for us, who is against us? Well he answers this with another question. And he says he did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us. How will he not also uh, with him freely give us all things? What is Paul saying? Well, he sent his son Jesus, and he'll give us all things. Well, Mark, what are these all things? Here's what I think the all things are. Salvation. Justification. Sanctification. Sanctification. And conformity. These are the things that he's going to give us. He's going to save us. He's going to justify us. He's going to transform us. And he's going to conform us to the image of Jesus. And how is he going to do that? By the Holy Spirit. That brings us into question two. And he says, Who will bring a charge against his elect? And that's in verse 33. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? The answer is simple nobody. Nobody will. Why? Go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. God is the one who justifies, and there's no condemnation because Jesus was sent and he's the one who died for us there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus pretty simple answer no question number 3 who shall who is the one Who condemns, verse 34. It says, Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. You know who's not going to bring a condemnation against us? Jesus. Because he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he is saying, That's your child. That's your son. He's been washed in the blood of, in my blood. He's an heir with me. He's mine. So Jesus, when he comes and he comes as judge, he's not going to condemn us because we have been saved by him. And he's now interceding for us. Absolutely amazing. Which brings us to the final question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will it be tribulation, distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Paul says in verse 35, all of these things even the potential of death because of our relationship with Jesus Christ? Will any of those things, will physical death separate me from the love of Christ? Verse 36 says, just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be uh, slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us? For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything other cre- or other created things will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nobody and nothing will separate us from the love of Christ not even physical death. What an amazing promise that he wraps up with this question. Not only that, he tells us in verse 37 that we will overwhelmingly conquer. We're going to be more than conquerors. Why? Because God causes all things to work for good. You know, I started out this podcast and I talked about the Toronto Maple Leafs, and let me tell you, there was a reason for that. Because in my age, in my mid-40s, I have never seen my team win the Stanley Cup. I have no idea what it's like to win that championship as a fan. I've never seen a parade. I've never seen a Toronto Maple Leaf lift the Stanley Cup above their head the t-shirt, just once before I die. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? To know what it was like to conquer all of the other, other NHL teams and raise that cup as a champion. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. But you know what? I've experienced a victory even greater than that of the Stanley Cup. Victory over sin and death. Eternity with Jesus. That no matter what happens in this world and the culture around us, Paul says that I'm more than a conqueror. That God is not against me. That there can be no charge brought against me. That nobody can condemn me to death. And nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. That is a victory worth shouting about, isn't it? Overwhelming conqueror. Put that on a bumper sticker. Wear that on a t-shirt. Way better than Stanley Cup champion. I'd still love to see that Stanley Cup raise though. But listen to what Paul says. He says we groan. We groan now in this broken creation. But we eagerly wait for the adoption of, as sons to be glorified into the presence of God. This is the greatest hope that we have. And this hope does not disappoint. Sports teams, things of this world, they all disappoint. Not God. God keeps his word. God is true. And God's greatest desire is for you to be conformed into the image of his Son. That's why we have his word and that's why we have the Holy Spirit working within us. Remember these truths. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus an overwhelmingly conquer. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. These produce life and peace. Father, we do thank you for the time that you have given us today. We thank you for the truths that have come through these verses. Lord, I'm so thankful for your son Jesus that through his death, burial, and resurrection that he defeated sin and death. That when we identify with him in death and we defeat sin in our lives, we're no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. That we have the Holy Spirit working within us to to help us to be conformed to your son's image. And Father, I pray that you continue to show us the sin that we have in our lives. That we can work to defeat those things that we can be conformed into your image and that we can please you in all that we do. That others would see the fruit of the Spirit in our life. That they would see joy and patience and love and kindness. That they would ask questions. That you would give us opportunities to share your Son, Jesus, with others. So Lord, continue to work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We appreciate you in joining us in this series of Unlocking the Truth with Preset Ministries Canada. Visit our website, presetministries.ca, to find in-person and online studies and workshops that will further your journey in His Word and give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.